wellness practices feel more like a to-do list than actual self-care, this episode is for you. If you're tired of feeling disconnected or at odds with your physical body, this episode is for you. If you're looking to be inspired by an incredible fellow human, this episode is also for you. Hey friends, welcome back to another juicy episode of the All Sorts Podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Nielsen, registered dietitian, author of Good for Your Gut, and resident food nerd around here at the pod. And I cannot wait for you to experience today's conversation with Melissa and Como, entrepreneur, movement and mindfulness leader, and creator of The Well by Kunye, because she is someone with so much wisdom to share that you cannot help but be transfixed with everything she has to say. We talk a lot in this episode about how so much of what we embark upon in the quest for wellness isn't necessarily serving us, and how all too often we transfer ownership and validation of our physical, spiritual, and mental well-being to strangers on the internet. I asked Melissa to have this conversation with me because I've been so inspired by her slow wellness approach one that reclaims and reprioritizes our own inner knowing in our self-care in a way that is generative, inclusive, and nourishing. Because isn't that the whole point? We also talk about Melissa's path from business school to skincare guru to movement and mindfulness practitioner, as well as her journey towards embracing everything that life throws at her with equanimity and finding success as she released expectations in her business. I just know that you're going to fall in love with Melissa as much as I have. And I want to take a minute to welcome back my friends at Botanica Health as episode sponsors because their perfect protein elevated is my favorite protein ever. I've been using the Brain Booster Protein, which contains lion's mane and rhodiola, my ride or dies, for years now to help me shift out of mom brain and into work mode. Botanica Health uses digestion-friendly, organic, whole food ingredients like brown rice, quinoa, and coconut, and full servings of active ingredients. There are three new varieties to choose from, Immune Supporter, Sleep Better, and I'm in love with the new Energy Booster, which contains 500 milligrams of Panax ginseng and cordyceps mushrooms in addition to B vitamins. Curious? Learn more at www.botanicahealth.com. Thank you for showing our sponsors some love because they make this podcast possible. Now, let's dive into my conversation with Melissa and Como. Well, I am so excited. And, you know, for people who are not watching this on YouTube, we are definitely in the most luxurious space the All Sorts podcast has ever recorded. In. I'm like so honored to be a part of this first time <laughs> experience for you. It's great. It's amazing. So maybe tell folks where we actually are right now. Yeah. So we are inside and co community, which is a new private office co-working space that has opened in Vancouver's Coal Harbor area. And I work with them. Um, they're partners in my new studio, which is located downstairs in the same building. And I also work in consulting with them on wellness programming for their member experience. And so one of the perks of getting to be part of the and co team is that we have access to this beautiful content creation room, which is where we're recording right now. And they're just so great at supporting community and being able to offer spaces like this so that we can create magic, really. It's just such an honor to be partnered with them. 
it feels like magic, like everything. And it's funny because we first connected like five years ago. I was trying to think Emma, about this. Yeah. A mutual but, friend. Oh my gosh. I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like, wow, it's actually been a long time. It has been a long time. Yeah. And, you know, when we first connected then, it was through your skincare, mm-hmm. the part of the Kunye brand that was the skincare. And how has your concept of like this incredible business that you've built evolved over time? You know, I often think about the evolution of Kunye and I'm just like, what in the world? Like, it really doesn't make sense (laughs) on paper. I remember when I started my business, I was a hyper planner. Like, I'd been to business school. I knew how to write a business plan. I knew how to, you know, draft grants to try to get funding and things like that. And everything was very rooted in strategy. It was all about being as prepared as possible. And I would say the last two years of my business, or at least my business since the pandemic, has been fully run by heart and hustle and intuition. I very rarely have a plan. I have a vision more than anything, but the path to executing that vision has been very much organic. And it seems to me that that has been what's resonated most with people. Like I've experienced the most growth in my business in the last couple of years. So Yeah, I really, I don't have a a clear path of the evolution. I just know I had an idea and I knew from the very beginning Kunye was going to be a wellness-based business, an integrative business, holistic health and healing. And the pathway at the time was primarily through this skincare range that I had created. And now it's through a lot of more of movement and mindfulness practices. And the skincare is still part of it. But yeah, it's definitely evolved but if I really think of the seed that I planted when I started Kunye, it's evolved into exactly what it was meant to be, which is amazing. That is so amazing. You know, and I feel like as we get older, because I was similar when I was younger, it's like, here's exactly what I'm going to do. Like, here's the very specific goal. Here's exactly what I'm going to do to get to that goal. And then you, there's so much anxiety that builds up when it doesn't look exactly the same. And this idea of being like, no, here's like the eventual thing. Like, yeah. here's the big thing. Here's how it needs to feel. Here's how I think it's going to look. Because it's like the universe has, it's going to get you there. But it's like, it's not necessarily going to look like how you thought it was going to look. Absolutely. And I think like if you follow any spiritual teaching or teachers, or even if you just believe in manifestation or law of attraction or any of these things, all of it comes down to surrender. Like, yes, you can have a plan, but there ultimately is a plan greater than you. And I think the pandemic is like the ultimate manifestation for a lot of people of what that means. Like we are confined to our conditions and our experiences and you have to just sort of be along for the ride and you have to make the best within those conditions. And to me, that's where mindfulness plays a huge role. It's like, I can't necessarily change my surroundings. I can't change the conditions of the world, but I can change how I feel. I can change how I show up. I can change my contribution to those things. And so I think that is, it's just surrendering. It's like, it is what it is and I'm going to make the best of what it is. And that's kind of the approach I take in business as well. It's literally the hardest thing to do. It is the it's a <laughs> daily practice and it's it's a lifelong practice for sure, but I do think that the unhappiness that came from running my business according to strategy and plan was a desire for control. And that is really the seed of our suffering. It's like when we want control, even though we know ultimately we're not in control, it's just the ultimate mind game, right? So yeah, I think part of the the unenjoyable part of running my business, the first half of my business was being so tightly attached to this idea of a plan or this vision that I had for the business. Yeah, it's that idea of attachment to suffering and, you know, 
it is amazing because I think, you know, there are so many messages to be like, you need to hustle and this is exactly what you need to do and this is what it needs to look like. And you're like, nah. Like as yeah. soon as you actually do let that go, you're like, oh, this feels a little bit better. This feels a little bit more comfortable. Things seem to be flowing a little bit better. Well, and the assumption that one, it's one size fits all. Yeah. Like, okay, you, so you built your seven-figure business online doing X, Y, Z, but that's not going to work for everybody because everybody's yeah. condition for how they live their life, what they're doing, what they're creating is unique. And so yeah. each path has to be unique. But it's so tempting in the age of Instagram and Google and YouTube when we can peer in on other people and ask ourselves, well, if they did it that way, why wouldn't it work for me? But we forget the context. We forget, we forget the conditions, the resources. There are so many factors that make their experience entirely unique from our experience that we almost eliminate because we're hyper-focused on what we see and yeah. curated information that they're putting out there, right? But we're so hyper-focused on what we see that we think, well, that must be it. That must be the secret sauce. And there is no secret sauce. That's the <laughs> surrender. Like, it's just, yeah. there is, yeah, there's there's things you can do that will help, but... Well, and it, it feels like there's a whole industry that's sort of, like, grown up to sort of harness on those anxieties. Like, you know, like the business coaching. It's like, here's exactly how you do it. Here's how you build that seven-figure business. And here's how it needs to look. And I, I've i always struggled with timelines, too. Mm -hmm. This idea that I need to achieve a certain thing at a certain time. And you're like, why? Like, who wants to peak at 35? Like, I hope that I'm going to get 65 more years and they're going to be really boring years if I just peaked now. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I hope the happiest day of my life isn't when I was 28 or, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that's the part where you just surrender to the process and embrace everything that happens along the journey, good, bad, this, that. In meditation, we call it like equanimity. Can you just not get too high with the highs and too low with the lows, but just be like, I don't want to say even keel because life ebbs and flows, but, you know, can you just embrace life for what it is as it is in the moment? Ride the good waves, do what you need to to take care of yourself during the bad waves and know that it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good, really, ultimately. Yeah, and it's all and it's all part of the journey. I saw this and I, you know, it went very super viral, but Rain Wilson talking on the Rich Roll podcast and how they were talking about the pressure that people in their 20s put themselves. Mm. under now and it is like the the world is more intense social media and the internet are like you know applying so much pressure that you've got to say and do all this but I loved what he said because when I think about my 20s it feels very much the same way that you've just got to try and fail mm -hmm. at a bunch of things mm -hmm. like 20 your 20s are the time where you put it out there it's like throwing it to the wall see what sticks and there, it's gonna be messy it has to be messy. Like that is actually part of the process. Absolutely. I don't want to say I wasted my 20s, but I definitely did play it safe. And part of that was tethering myself to this idea of a plan of what I thought my life was supposed to look like, how it was going to go, all of these things. So I would, if I could do it all over again, I would for sure... I mean, ideally, I'm saying I would for sure be more fearless. I would probably <laughs> still have fear, but I would do it anyway. And that's yeah. that's the kicker is we're so tied to the idea that it feels not safe to veer from that. And that's where I think a lot of people get stuck. It's like, you know, I want to start my own business, but I have bills to pay. I can't just quit my job. I can't just do this. And, you know, and it's true. It's all true. But can you also zoom out a little bit and say, okay, I have to work. I have to pay my bills, but maybe I can start a little side hustle. Maybe I don't need to get rich off the side hustle. Maybe that can just be purely passion and enjoyment and pleasure. And I happen to make money from it. Because I think 
approaching it from that aspect is actually how you end up hitting the jackpot. And yeah. then it turns into your full-time hustle because you're just like, wow, this was fun. Like, am I having fun is something I ask myself on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the decisions that I've made for my business in the last year is like, is this going to help me grow? Can I learn from this? And is it going to be fun? Am I going to actually enjoy this, the people, the experience, yeah. the actual job that I have to be doing in that role? Because if it's not fun, life is way too short to be miserable, especially if you're spending most of your time at work. Yeah. I just think, yeah, speaking of not living a fulfilling life, like I don't want to go to work and be miserable personally. And I also trust myself. I'll figure it out. I would rather leave a job and be like, oh my gosh, I have bills to pay. What am I going to do? And trust that I can be creative and resourceful and resilient than be tied to that job because I'm too scared to yeah. flex those muscles. And to make a mistake, right? I yeah. think definitely the first part of my life, I equated making a mistake with failing. And I even sometimes see it in my kids. And it's like, no, 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 part of a successful life. And I like relish now telling my kids, so you think is mommy successful or not successful? And they're like, oh, well, mommy's really successful. Look at all the things. It's like, let me tell you a whole bunch of giant mistakes yeah. that felt like shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me tell you how I got here. <laughs> exactly. Let me yeah. tell you all the times I failed, I was rejected, yeah. like, and that was part of it. And people, and I think particularly with the internet, people don't see that. They just see the gloss. Mm -hmm. They don't see all of the times that utterly you just sucked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you mm -hmm. just, I was like, I have to own this. I sucked. Today sucked. This was a whole mess. I made a big mistake, but then you, you move forward. It's also how we apply meaning to the word failure because we could put this in the context of anything, relationships, business, family life, like everything, right? And I have failed in so many chapters and channels and avenues of my life. But to your point, fear is not a word that scares me. It's not a word that is taboo to me. It's not a word that I'm ashamed of. But I think, I have like a love-hate relationship when people say, you know, language has power. Absolutely it does, but it also has only as much power as we apply to the language that we're using. And I see it all the time in the wellness space, right? Like we know the culture around dieting or any of these things, but diet in and of itself is just a way of eating. Yeah. Right? But we attach these like ideas and values and systems around this these words, but they only are as powerful as we give them power. So if you want to eliminate, you know, the stigma around fear, talk about your fear. You talk about your failures, talk yeah. about where it went wrong. If you want to eliminate diet being associated with, you know, this unhealthy pattern, talk about diet in a nourishing way. Talk about how you use diet to enhance your energy, your vitality. Like I think we can shift meaning behind language. And I think we often don't feel that way. We feel like it's very inflexible or that life is black and white. And life is a whole spectrum of gray and color and vibrancy. And yeah, for me, I, I had to shift my relationship with the word failure. I had to shift my relationship with my fears. And only then did I feel like, oh, I can exhale from here. Yeah. And a lot of the times what I learned in the process of unlearning is just that. I learned this from somebody else. I learned this from 
someone who was trying to sell me some, something, someone who had their own negative relationship with this word. But if I just adapt it for myself, it's actually very harmless or it's not as impactful as I originally thought. So I think that's a big thing. Like you have to evaluate your own relationship with the things that are causing tension or friction in your life before expecting the world to change. And that's what I mean about the condition. You yeah. can't, can't necessarily shape your condition, but you can shape how you show up within it, your relationship to the things within your world, your inner world, your outer world, all of those things. And I really do believe it's fully in our control to do that. How you show up is entirely up to you. How you relate to other people, language, your environment is entirely up to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I put in the show notes. One of my favorite podcasts is actually called How to Fail. Mm. So it takes big, successful, famous people. And the whole point of the podcast is they describe three major failures in their life. And it's- yes. <laughs> so incredible. But I want to unpack that idea of like defining things for yourself a little bit more, particularly because wellness, like the entire concept of wellness and like I'm an old fogey wellness person where the idea was like, you know, being healthy isn't just the absence of like illness, right? Like we want to feel vibrant and energized. And to me, like still back in this like late 90s definition, like that's what wellness was. But it has very much become a dirty word and it's totally divorced from its true intention. And now mm -hmm. it feels so much like, again, like another sort of like set of prescriptive ways to live. Like mm -hmm. you need to eat this way. You need to move this way. You need to do X. You need to not do Y. What I appreciate about the way that you define things and, and the, what you put out into the world is you have this concept of slow wellness. Mm -hmm. Like you want to tell me a little bit more about like how you define wellness for yourself and, and what your intention behind those words are? Mm-hmm. Wellness to me is like diet. It's a way of learning how to feel good in your body, in your life. But it is, it is, it's a marketing term, let's be honest. I was at a, a panel for a conversation and I was speaking on a panel and a gentleman came up and asked a question about, oh, I'm running this type of business and we're trying to call it like something wellness. And I was like, well, to be honest, it doesn't sound like a wellness company to me. And he's like, yes, but we tested all these other things and, and that just tested the best. And I was like, oh, okay. So right there, it's like, it's not even about, to your point, like what is the essence? What is the meaning of this word? So I now also attribute it as like a common language that people can understand as an entry point, but slow wellness or even just slow well-being, which I've been kind of using more so as a term, is really about intention, embodiment. So not just doing the actions and going through the things and posting it on Instagram, but like really slowing down to notice, is this actually making a difference in my life, in my body? Do I feel better about myself? Do I feel better in my body? So the slow piece is slowing down enough to really register the practices that you're adopting rather than, it's like supplements. It's like you can be prescribed 10 different supplements and feel better, but how do you know which supplement is actually making you feel better if you don't stop and be like, you know what, I'm, let me get intentional about this. I'm going to add a little vitamin C, see how I feel. I'm going to add, yeah. you know, and so it is, it's just slowing down versus like, I'm, let me just take 10 pills and hope it works kind of thing, which I think is a lot of the approach, this like quick fix, instant gratification, feel better now, hack, biohacking, all of these things, right? It's to override and bypass our internal sensing and experiencing. And that is our greatest gift. We literally exist. We experience life through the senses. And yet a lot of wellness is trying to train us to bypass those senses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, like, what you said that 
just sparked this idea that so often we're trying to treat our body as something to be fixed, something that's mm. inherently wrong, right? Yeah, biohack, because apparently your own systems that have evolved not this way are— Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not, not smart enough, useless. <laughs> we, you know, some tech bro <laughs> yeah. has decided that yeah. this is a better way to run your body. And this idea that, like, it's us versus the body. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the idea that we, like, hand over ownership to these people who are now telling us how to live in our bodies— Right. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. So here I am drinking my whatever bulletproof coffee. Not that I have anything against bulletproof coffee, but for, as an example. Right. And I'm like, well, actually, I just feel sluggish. Like I feel weighed down. I don't like the texture, but I hear it's supposed to like make my mental focus better. Mm -hmm. Some guy told me. Right. And so now here I have handed over the power to this person because I'm taking their word for it. And I'm overriding my internal sensing of, of like, I actually don't feel better doing this. And that's what so many of us do. So for me, slow wellness, mindfulness, mindful movement is about taking your power back. And part of what feels empowering is to be so in tune and connected to your body that you can take the supplements and be like, that one doesn't work for me. You can adopt a new movement practice and be like, I don't like CrossFit and that's yeah. okay. You can sit with yourself and be like, I'm going through really difficult emotions, but they are part of what make me who I am and that's okay. And all of that for me in my personal practice, aside from being a practitioner with my clients and watching them experience these aha moments in their bodies, for me, that's the most empowering thing I've ever done for myself is to slow down, to sit with myself, to move in mindful ways and to just like really commit to meeting myself and re-meeting myself and re-meeting myself over and over and over again. And it is a daily practice. When I sit in meditation, when I move on the Pilates reformer, when I'm in conversation or in relationship with folks, that's how it starts to weave and become a state of well-being versus a practice that you adopt or something that you're doing to fix a problem. It's just a way of being. And, you know, Pilates is like a huge part of what you do mm -hmm. at the well. And one of the things that I, I love about your philosophy is this idea of mindful movement. Mm -hmm. And in my own life, one of the things that I've experienced is that I really hated exercise. Like, I really hated it. I didn't grow up very active at all. But then I was like, oh, it's I have to do this. I'm going to be a runner. And it just became so goal-focused, but also very focused on, like, my physical form, right? Like, I'm going to work out to lose weight. God have you, lose weight. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work out to achieve this goal of running a half marathon. And I always hated it. I mm -hmm. always overdid it. And then I always crashed. And it wasn't until my 30s where I was like, wow, when I go for a run, it doesn't matter how slow I go, but like I feel better. Like if I feel like I'm drowning in stress and then I move my body, I was like, I feel better. And then, like, just feeling better became the goal, and it totally transformed my relationship to movement. And, you know, I read that you said Pilates has become a really a preferred form of movement because of that sort of mindfulness piece. Like, for people who aren't aware of what Pilates is so much, can you sort of describe, like, where the mindfulness fits in with that movement? Mm -hmm. Pilates is, like— <laughs> another term like wellness these days where it's like everyone does Pilates. It's like, yeah, everything's Pilates now. But the origins of it 
are really rooted in rehabilitation and strength training and connectivity of the body. And so I'm trained in a more contemporary form of Pilates. And a lot of people would say there's contemporary and classical. So for me, I really bring it back to the science of the body. It's very heavily rooted in like kinesiology and the anatomy of the body. But I think Pilates is, uh, not I think, I feel ultimately Pilates is the most accessible form of movement available. And it is the most inviting as far as if you're uncomfortable sitting still in meditation, Pilates is a great way to move, feel strong, feel connected. But because it's so heavily rooted in these basic principles of breath, of learning how to position your body, of alignment, that you really truly have to be present during the practice. And that in and of itself is mindfulness. Mindfulness is really a synonym for saying, be where your feet are be where your breath is. And breath can only happen in the present moment. We only pay attention to our feet when we actually put them on the ground and notice the soles of our feet. And so the mindfulness piece, and if you've ever been to like very modern, uh, classical, or even contemporary Pilates, there's a lot of cueing. There's a lot of guidance. There's a lot of direction. And so if you're not paying attention, you're going to be lost. And that right there keeps you present because you're like, oh, how do I move this one shoulder blade? Oh, how do I reach an inch in this direction? How do I squeeze this muscle? And so at first, there's a lot of people who have never been invited to connect to their bodies in that way. And it's just like, it can be a little bit disheartening, to be honest. It's like, I don't know, you're speaking another language. But with time, with consistency, with practice, you see literally these light bulb moments of like, oh my gosh, I tucked my tailbone. I've never done that before, you know? Or it's like, I didn't know I had a tailbone. I didn't know I had a tailbone. <laughs> um, so that it's so rewarding. So I think Pilates and mindfulness are inherent because A, you link each movement with a breath. Again, breath is the essence of not only mindful movement, but of mindfulness in general. And it's an anchor for your awareness. And it really does invite you to dive out of your head, get into your body, be present with what you're feeling, what you're experiencing in the moment. And the postures are the pathway to get there. I think that it's such a beautiful invitation to start thinking of movement as mindfulness. And I think particularly even when I think about yoga, mm -hmm. right? When I was taught in a very traditional sense, yoga was simply the physical preparation for meditation. Mm -hmm. Like people were like, yoga is a thing. But traditionally, yoga was just to get the body in line. hundred <laughs> percent. So you could sit. And, and I to practice the skills that you need in meditation. Yeah. How do you have the muscular endurance to sit still for long periods of time? How do you contract your core so that your back doesn't hurt when you're sitting for so long? That's really what you're training for. Yeah, Absolutely. totally. And being in your body and like yeah. getting that breath in line with your movement. And there's, you know, a renewed interest because we all, honestly, we all need mindfulness. We all need meditation. But I think there's sometimes a little bit of a misconception, particularly around meditation and mindfulness, that it, it does have to look a certain way, like mm -hmm. you have to be seated in exactly the same way, eyes closed, and that instantly you're supposed to feel relaxed. Mm -hmm. And I, for myself personally, if I am in a very anxious state of mind, I mean, when you quiet everything down, it well, like amplifies all that's going on in it there. Amplifies, like sometimes meditation actually feels like garbage mm -hmm. because it is feeling like torture. It does <laughs> feel because it's amplifying everything. And, you know, for people who don't immediately connect and it it's difficult to sit with that and, and the like opportunity to be like, well, how would I create that in my movement? Like how would I start there? 
like by connecting the mind and the body. And that I think is a lot more accessible for so many people to make that connection as opposed to be like, I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to try to relax. Yeah. So we have a class at The Well called Rise, which you tried, the rebounding class. And like conventionally on paper, you'd be like, there's no way this is a mindful practice. Like this is just bouncing around. It's a good cardio workout, but like there's nothing spiritual about this if you want to call it spirituality or mindful about this. But we were chatting after the session about how, you know, as you're bouncing, first of all, you're bouncing in a very controlled, embodied manner. You're bouncing very intentionally. Mm -hmm. That's mindfulness. You have to catch your breath. You have to notice when you need breaks. Take water when you need. That's mindfulness. We get into like choreography and you're bouncing to the beat. If your mind wanders, you're going to either lose the choreography or you're not going to be on beat with everybody else. So you have to be present. That's mindfulness. And so I often talk about if we peel back our expectations of what it should look like, we will be delightfully surprised at how you're already doing it and that there are many, many ways to practice mindfulness that don't even involve sitting and meditating. And I get caught up in the expectation too. Like I remember talking to my therapist one time and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I feel pretty good, but I must, I must be off because I haven't sat on my mat. Like I'm not meditating. And then we get deeper into the therapy session and she's like well it sounds like you're just being mindful in your life and isn't that the point isn't the point that it eventually translates so that you don't have to adhere to a practice and yet you're still present with all that is you're still catching your breath you're still slowing down when you need to you're still honoring the thoughts feelings sensations that come up and I was like that was the first time that I even noticed wow now I get why I've been practicing for so long. It's so that I could live a mindful life, not so that I can say I meditate every morning for 20 minutes. Yeah. And and the power inherent in bringing it back inside, you know, Mm -hmm. because I see that like on the nutrition side so much, this idea of like, okay, so healthy eating or like eating for wellness looks a certain way. Like I'm going to buy this like $150 like supplement and I'm like never going to eat gluten because it gluten toxic. And for me to be like, but did you eat a vegetable today? Mm-hmm. You know, and be like, no. Have no. you had enough water? Have you <laughs> had enough water? Did you cook a meal? Did yeah. you take the 10 minutes to cook a meal as opposed to like rushing through a takeout line three times a day? And we immediately, it's, you know, it comes back to what you said is like, you know, giving the power to someone else to determine what our well body looks like or feels like or acts like. And we miss the forest for the trees entirely. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of us are consciously or intentionally doing it. And that to me is the first part to ask ourselves, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I in this CrossFit class? I have no business being here. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, oh, because so-and-so said it was amazing. If we start to dial it back, we start to realize, like, how much of this did I intentionally carve out for myself? And how much of it is me believing because it worked for them, it must work for me or yeah, just handing over my power. And so you said something earlier about people come into the studio all the time and they look at me and they're like, well, am I going to look like you if I do Pilates every day? Or I really want to lose this, this is COVID weight. Or, And immediately what I hear is I don't accept myself as I am mm. in my current state. I'm unhappy. I don't know. I feel disconnected from my body in the state. I don't recognize myself. And those are the 
the seeds from which we have to start having a discussion about why are you choosing this practice? Because you heard Pilates will give you long, lean muscles or because I just want to feel connected. I want to feel strong in my body. I want to remember what it feels like to move and breathe and all of these things. And so, yeah, I've often, it kind of becomes a little bit of a therapy session because I'm like, well, what's wrong with the body you have now? Oh, well, this and that and the other. And it's like, well, that's all great. But I'm telling you right now, the biggest transformation will come if you learn to just love your body as it is. Even if nothing change, can we practice Pilates so that you can learn to feel connected and to love the body as it is? Yeah. Because th that transformation is not going to be visible on the scale. It's not going to be visible in the mirror. But I guarantee you, I can help you embody that through this pa practice and this pathway. And for me, that's the best part. Because where the mind goes, the body will often follow. So if I can change my mind about how I feel about my body, how I feel about myself, well, then my body will inherently follow. I'm going to feel more energized. I'm going to feel more motivated to stick with the practice. And consistency is the key for any wellness, well-being practice, yeah. nutrition, exercise, meditation. It's like if you're not showing up consistently, it doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are. You're not going to see a physical transformation of your conditions. And so it really does start. It all starts with being mindful of your current state, your desired state, and how you feel along the way from getting from point A to point B. Yeah. You know, if we we're going to talk about a hack, like consistency is mm. the hack. Consistency is the only it's the hack. answer for everything. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I mean, same thing going back to relationships, right? Yeah. Like any friendship, if you don't consistently hang out or connect or call or my best friend lives in Toronto and we've become even closer just because we've committed to like, hey, let's check in. Let's make sure we're good. You call me. We have an understanding. It's the consistency of showing up not only for ourselves, but for each other. And so how do I practice showing up? To be able to show up for other people, I got to show up for myself first. Well, how do I do that? Do I just wake up and go in the morning? No, it's like committing to my movement practice, meeting myself on the mat, meeting myself in movement. I often say during my classes or at some point, if you're in the studio, you'll hear me say, but like, this is the space you go to practice the skills that you need for life. Flexibility, mm -hmm. consistency, mobility, how to deal with pain, how to be with your feelings, how to connect to yourself. You can do that all through the various movement modalities that we offer, but that are just available out there for people in the world. Movement is a pathway to practice the skills that you need for life. And, you know, something that I learned from you is that you practice trauma-informed movement mm -hmm. because, you know, even coming back to that, you know, that person that you said, I'm not in my body. I don't feel comfortable in my body. My body's not right. I need to change it. Like, can you talk a little bit about what trauma-informed movement means? Like, what is that practice? And like, why perhaps movement and wellness has not always felt like a comfortable practice for everyone? Yeah. I will speak to trauma-informed in my interpretation because just like the term Pilates, there are a lot of interpretations and people closest to me will will know that I'm not one to like coddle. <laughs> so for me, trauma informed is giving you space to be who you are as you are. And my job is to move you towards feeling safe in your body. So I can't guarantee that you're going to feel safe in my studio. I can't guarantee that you're going to feel safe walking along the street. But I can guarantee that 
if you find yourself in a moment of dysregulation of your nervous system, that I will help give you the tools to learn how to self-regulate, how to self-soothe, how to feel connected, how to connect to what you're feeling, and then to ask yourself, am I actually unsafe or is this a patterning that I'm just remembering in this moment? So trauma-informed to me comes back to the nervous system and learning how to understand the signals that it's giving us, what needs to be rewired, and the tools available to us to self-regulate so that we can live a life not so tightly tethered to our pain or identifying so much with who hurt us or what hurt us or what happened to us in our in our previous versions of our lives or ourselves. Well, and the other thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, in your space and, and on your website, you're like, this is this is a space like free of, you know, racism and sexism and ageism and all of these kind of things. And and speaking how you know, a lot of people don't necessarily feel comfortable walking into a movement studio. Like, we have this idea that, you know, a certain kind of person is welcome at, mm-hmm. like, a fancy wellness studio, and then, like, everyone else is not. And I, f- I feel like you're you're working so hard to be like, no, all are welcome here. Like, this space is for everyone who wants to come in. Yeah. I'm working so hard because I am a black woman in a very, very white dominant industry. So I know exactly how it feels to have all eyes on you when you walk in front of a yoga class to roll out your mat. Even more so the look of shock when they figure out you're the teacher, you know, that feeling is uncomfortable or this like, you know, I've had people come up to me and be like, well, I wasn't sure what to expect, but hmm, that was pretty good. As though like, well, why would it be any different than any other teacher that was coming in here, you know? And And so I think I am working so hard to communicate movement and mindfulness in an accessible way, A, because it transformed my life. And at our opening party, I I commented about, you know, I just had to learn how to feel good in my body and movement was the way to do that because there are often moments where I am the only black woman in the room and the discomfort I remember feeling and the lack of self-regulation. And it was like telling my nervous system over and over and over again, you're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. Everyone's looking at you. Hide, 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 hide. So I did. I contracted. I shrunk. I'm wearing all black now, but like I would dress (laughs) in all black. You know, I didn't want to draw any unnecessary attention because inherently in my body, it felt unsafe. So I had to learn how to feel safe in my body. So cultivating a community that feels diverse is not only a representation of who I am, but my own experiences, what I believe Mm -hmm. in. I also just think the more diverse a community, the more interesting, the more we learn from each other, the more connection we have to the world around us because the world around us is diverse. And like, Mm -hmm. even though your network might not be, or your friend group might not be, if you travel 10 kilometers outside your everyday route, you're going to encounter people who are different from you. And so what are our commonalities? Well, the commonalities are that we all experience life through our senses. We all feel, we all have fears, we all have our own emotions, the own conditions for our life. And if you're not connected to how that feels in your body and to give yourself compassion and empathy and all of these things we have to feel and learn, there is absolutely no way we can do that for other people. So this is self-care in terms of taking care of yourself, connecting to yourself, healing yourself, but it ultimately is community care. And to me, that is my purpose here in this journey is how do I be a light to not only heal myself so that I'm authentic in the work that I do, but to create spaces like The Well and brands like Kunye that are intentionally doing what we can to say all are welcome here and 
not have it be performative, but to say, not only are you welcome here, but we want you to feel embodied in that. So the best feedback I've been getting about the space is like, this is good vibes. There's good vibes in here. This feels amazing. The community's diverse. And so I'm like, okay, I know I'm on the right path. I know I'm embodied in the work because it's being reflected back to me. And that's ultimately why I build a diverse community so that no matter what you look like on the outside, what you feel is being reflected back to you. If you feel dysregulated, you can learn to self-regulate and then slowly you'll see other beings who are self-regulated and connected and healthy and happy. And that's where I think the law of attraction also veers into science because mm-hmm. it's a very real thing that our environment is a reflection of how we kind of feel in inside. Yeah. And it is, it's a central nervous system thing. So the more we can self-regulate, the more we're drawn to other people who can self-regulate. And then we start to build communities that are inherently safer because people are just more chill. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we need. We all just need to feel what ease feels like. Yeah. We need to feel more calm and we need to live our lives from that place of ease and calm instead of scarcity and fear and tension. I want to talk a little bit about your self-care because as an entrepreneur and building this incredible space, what was this like for you, this process? Like, Because you've just built this beautiful new studio the well in Vancouver. And I've followed along your journey and you had like this water leakage happening, mm-hmm. you know, like early on. And like, there's so much going on as a, another entrepreneur, there's so much going on. And also, I think something really unique about creating the business that you do is that it is about creating a safe container for others. So in addition to just managing like physically, like I run a business and this is massive, But you're also trying to create this like really safe container for people Mm -hmm. who come in through your doors. So like, like, how do you care for yourself in the middle of such an undertaking? Like, how do you create that like tethering back to your breath, your body? Mm -hmm. You know what? I think the greatest gift I can give myself and others is to be authentic And so part of my practice is on the days where I don't feel like holding space for people to be like, I'm not holding space for you today. (laughs) (laughs) I have to hold space for myself. I need time alone. I need to focus on my nutrition. How am I nourishing not just my physical body, my energetic body, time off Instagram. Like I've gotten really good at curating the things that I see on Instagram. So the algorithm now sends me positive things. You know what I mean? And, And being conscious about that, unfollowing certain accounts and making sure not to like or watch certain things for too long, knowing that, yes, it's an algorithm, but I can also play this game too. And so I think that is my self-care practice is like, how do I make this more fun? How do I make this more healing? How do I grow from this? How do I make sure that I feel nourished in mind, body, spirit? And checking in with those points day to day. And so part of the slow wellness philosophy, we talk about the inner, outer, and higher self. And this stemmed from a personal practice of mine because I just found doing it all to be too overwhelming. But on the days where I do feel overwhelmed, I take one of those channels, the inner self, the outer self, or the higher self. Higher self can be your spiritual practices, my breath work, my meditation, showing up in movement. My inner self can also be movement, like jumping on the rebounder is just such an instant mood boost for me. So But it is also about how are you eating? Are you hydrated? Are you sleeping enough? And then the outer self, sometimes it's just turning off my phone, getting into a long bath with a face mask or treating myself, going for a facial, just taking care of my physical body in the ways in which I would hope someone would take care of me kind of thing. But to do that for yourself is really part of my practice. So 
for me, it's really, it's, it's a day to day thing, a hundred percent, but coming back to literally practice what I preach, walk the walk, talk the talk and be authentic in that. It's not perfect. Yeah. My kitchen is being renovated right now. So like eating consistently healthy, cooking my own meals is just non-existent yeah. right now. And I'm doing the best that I can. So I think authenticity right now in this chapter of my life is how I practice self-care really is to just show up and be like, I don't have it today. I'm at max capacity today. I need to sleep today or to, yeah, go through those channels and check the boxes when I need a reminder, like, okay, let's just take it back to basics. Maybe yeah. a face mask would feel good right now. Yeah. Great. Let's just focus on that today. I love that. I mean, like some days self-care is a kale salad and a rebound. And some days it's like Netflix and a blanket. You Absolutely. Know? Like, <laughs> just like rest. Even yeah. And, you know, to, to not shame yourself if that's how you do it. But I used to think like, oh, wow, what a waste of brain matter to just sit. But like it's also a, a nap for the brain to not have to think, to not have to, especially, you know, running a business. Yeah. Like there's always things to be done, always things to think about. So Netflix for me is like just shut her down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like just take in, just rest. Same thing. Lay down, lay on the couch, mm -hmm. take a nap, take a five minute nap. Even if you don't meditate, if I have the choice between meditating or taking rest, like I'll take the rest. And there's no shame in that because I know ultimately it's contributing to the same thing. So yeah, self-care is a day-to-day -day practice. But mm -hmm. at this point in my life, in my career, I have built out such a toolbox that I can just kind of reach in with my eyes closed and pull something out and know that like, okay, this this will help ground me. This will help bring me back to myself slowly. And fortunately, again, it's consistency. So I haven't had a moment like knock on wood. I haven't been really sick. I'm shocked. I haven't got COVID, like all of Amazing. these things, right? Like where I'm easily equally as susceptible, but I do feel like it's the consistency of taking care of myself that keeps me going some days slower than others, but mm -hmm. at least I can still go. Whereas old versions of myself would have to shut down for weeks, months, or just emotionally could not show up, could not hold space. So yeah, it's yeah. a daily practice for sure. Well, and, you know, having that toolkit and, and again, it comes back to this, you know, this concept that just keeps coming up with your responses is this idea that it's my toolkit mm -hmm. and I trust myself to choose the tool that I need right now, mm -hmm. not the tool that someone else told me I've got to get every day, but like this is my toolkit. And for anyone listening who's like, well, I don't know if I feel like, I have the toolkit. <laughs> like, I don't know what's in my toolkit. I don't know if I can create that relationship with mindfulness or movement or even just, like, trusting myself and my needs enough. What would you suggest? Like, how can they begin to start to, like, uncover that and experiment with that and start mm -hmm. listening to that? I'll tell you right now, the number one toolkit, if you are alive, that we all have access to is our breath. Take a deep breath. Pause. Take a few deep breaths. Breathe for two minutes, breathe for 30 minutes, whatever you can. But I would say when in doubt, you your ultimate toolkit will contain your breath. It's like it comes with every kit. <laughs> it's free with purchase. Um, it's not an add-on. It's not an add-on. You don't have to pay extra. So, yeah, I would say start there. Start with breath. I would also say, like, pay attention because so much of our pain and suffering, whether it's physical, emotional, or otherwise, is unconscious. We don't even know we're suffering until it's too late. We don't even know something's going on in our body. So breath and awareness are in everybody's toolkit. 
But often, again, we override, yeah. right? I, I don't have time to stop and take it. Oh, that's not going to work for me. One deep breath isn't going to work for me, but it can. I don't have time to, you know, slow down. I can't rest. I got too much work to do. And it's like, well, you're overriding what your body's asking for. So that's a choice too. But know that every choice comes with consequences. So yeah, so I'd say in everyone's toolkit, breath, awareness, rest, Another thing we love to hack, right? I don't need sleep. I'll just drink coffee. I've tried that too. It doesn't work for me personally. <laughs> but yeah, breath, awareness, rest, connection, first and foremost to yourself. So whether you use movement for that, whether you go to therapy and dive inward, whether you spend time alone, whatever it, it takes for you to connect with yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, invest in that time for sure. And that's with available within all of our toolkits. It's not always comfortable, as a lot of us learned during COVID, being stuck at home. But there is value there once you can move past the discomfort. And then aside from that, you know, another historically problematic aspect of wellness is the lack of financial accessibility for a lot of folks. So to know that there are a lot of things like the breath, the awareness, connection that are free. And so set yourself free from the pressure that you have to buy something, subscribe to something. You have to be a part of a coaching program or plan. Like you can start feeling better today by even just taking inventory of the things that aren't making you feel good and getting rid of them. Like yeah. people, activities, things that are draining. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, I hate my job. I can't get rid of my job. I got to pay my bills. But can you shift your experience in that context? Can you request an office transfer? <laughs> can you work from home? You know, start to investigate the things that are not contributing positively to your life and then zoom out. Zoom out a little bit and ask yourself, if I'm just getting creative, how can I make this 1% better for myself. And again, it's something that you can do that's free is to just take inventory and make adjustments as you need to. So those are things that I revisit all the time and they're free. They're accessible for everybody. It just requires the intention to get better, to feel better, and the intention to connect with ourselves and the intention to empower ourselves through choice, the choices that we make in our life. Yeah, and I love that. And it, because that is the juice, right? Like we again, we're like, oh, but like just sitting here breathing doesn't look like my fancy exercise outfit, you know, like on a yoga mat. And you're like, yeah, but that's not necessary. Like it's it's yeah. not necessary. Like how do I post that to Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> how do I tell everyone I just took a deep breath? How do I post this to Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it is like it's it's a lot of unlearning. Like mm -hmm. wherever your idea of wellness came from, I guarantee, I can almost guarantee it came from someone trying to sell you something, yeah. right? So that in and of itself, it's like, why do you think you need the expensive tights in order to do yoga? Why do you need a yoga mat even? Literally, you can just get a space on the floor. You could do it in bed if you wanted to. So things like that, it's like zoom out for a minute and ask yourself like, is this really a barrier for me to practice? XYZ? Or is this something that I'm kind of putting in my own path or an expectation that I'm setting for myself that is my own to either build or dismantle? Yeah. And that that's, again, comes to choice. You get a choice in your life. And that is the most empowering part of consciousness to realize like, wow, I actually have power here because I can choose. I can choose to stay. I can choose to leave. I can choose to add. I can choose to eliminate at the very basic level, right? So just checking in what's working, what's not. What makes me feel good? What doesn't? And so many of us don't really know the answers to that question, to those questions. Yeah. So I see it in nutrition all the time, too. You know, like, you know, people sort of 
not blindly because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to use that term, but I also don't want to judge the people who do it because I think many of us do act from this place of insecurity and discomfort. And so they look for the solution. They're like, okay, this person sells me this solution. So I'm just going to boldly go, <laughs> like head mm -hmm. down, boldly go and be like, yeah, but are you feeling better? Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, no, I am not. Like, well, maybe this is not the thing for you. Like, maybe there's an alternative path and maybe you can choose a path. And it's hard to disconnect because you have connected the idea of this person telling you this path is right. And if you veer off, then you're failing, right? Like this idea that like you're failing or you're giving up. And it's like, no, no, no. You're simply tuning into the fact that what that person was selling definitely wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. And if you listen closely enough, like you probably know what is for you. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I also hate this idea that giving up is a bad thing. Same to failure. Yeah. Please give up. Yeah. Surrender, give up, whatever you want to call it. I was actually listening to a meditation driving into the studio today and it said like, dear universe, have your way with me. I mm. give up. I give up. I give up. I give up. And I was like, that is so beautiful. It's the same for me like napping or sleeping. When I can't solve a problem, I'm like, I'm going to step away. I'm going to take a nap. I want to stop the course of this energy of like frustration and it is, it's either slow it down to a halt, which is sleep, pause, still your body completely yeah. or zoom out, look at the problem from a different angle, from a different perspective. And to your point, we like attach ourselves to an expectation or an outcome or the information that we've taken from somebody else. And we all of a sudden override our own sensing, our own feeling, our own intuition about I don't think this is working, but let me give it another four weeks. Or I don't think this is working, but oh, it worked for this person. It's got to work for me, right? Yeah. So it's really interesting how we kind of argue for our limitations or argue for our disempowerment more than we actually advocate for our empowerment and our inner knowing, just our intuition. Yeah. So again, it's just an unlearning. And we have to, before we can change anything, we have to become aware first and foremost. And so many yeah. people, nutrition, health, wellness, in relationships, just put it to the wayside. Oh, I'm, I got this like voice in my head or hindsight. Oh, I, I knew early on or all of these things, right? And it's all bypassing. It's all overriding this internal sensing in favor of some form of external validation or information or, or mm. fear. Yeah. yeah. And wishing to avoid the discomfort of yeah. being like, oh, okay. I was wrong. Yeah. 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 No, there is like a different path. And one of the things that I, I read, particularly around the time, because I think for anyone else who is an entrepreneur, honestly, just anyone living in the world today, mm -hmm. <laughs> we push ourselves so hard. Everything feels so fast. And so often I would say, I can't make the time to work out or I can't make the time to cook tonight mm -hmm. because I don't want to take time away from my work or I don't want to take time away from my family. And how much of a disservice we sort of do. And I read that you said, time is not found, it is made. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed in my own life is that, you know, that 30 minutes you don't think you have, so much of how we operate in this world energetically, like you can be exhausted and you had nine hours sleep last night. It is energetically, you need to pull yourself away. And I find that when I take the time I'm like, oh, I just need to go outside right now. Like, I need to feel the sun on my face. Like, what's happening on this laptop is not making me happy. And then I come back so refreshed yeah. that, like, energetically, you just, 
you float through it as opposed to like grinding through it. Absolutely. And to your point, like we are this physical body and that physical body can give us a lot of information about how we're experiencing life along the way. But we are also this energetic body. And that's where the higher self channel for me fits in because it is an energy. And in the same way that people walk into the studio and say, ooh, this feels like good vibes. Well, what you're describing is sensing with the energetic body. And so sometimes our physical body needs more attention and sometimes our spiritual or our energetic body needs more attention. And it doesn't come from a hack. You can't hack the energy body. So like getting sun on your skin, 100% that would nourish and feed the soul because we know scientifically the benefits of sunlight and vitamin D and all of those things, but also just to step away, to be outside, to be in connection with nature at a very basic level is going to shift the vibration in your body because the vibration of nature is very different than the vibration of your laptop screen, Mm. right? So yeah, I think that it makes perfect sense how we just need to, but again, it comes back to that awareness. We need to be aware. How am I feeling right now? And what is, what is motivating me? How am I moving forward? So for you to be able to say, this is frustrating. I don't like this feeling. Let me do something that feels good. That yeah. is that awareness. And for a lot of people, we don't actually have that sensing. This doesn't feel good, but I have no choice. This doesn't feel good, but I got to get it done. Or I won't feel good until I get it done. There's no room for pause. And I would say the pause is the whole point. (laughs) That's why things (laughs) cause friction. It's like a, hey, just letting you know, now's a good time to slow down and pause. This isn't feeling great. Now's a good time to connect to how you're feeling and what makes you feel good. What tools can you use to shift yourself? And it might be as simple as going to step outside Mm -hmm. into some sunlight, but you never know unless you step outside into some sunlight. (laughs) Well, and I feel like that's the quote of like the whole, the pause is the point. The pause right? is the point. Like, yeah. And if we can trust ourselves enough that what our body is saying is correct, not what someone else is telling us our body should feel like, look like, sound like, all of those things. I would say 100% of the time what your body is telling you is correct. Yeah. 100%. I think that is the quote of the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to steal that actually because it is yours. <laughs> it is true. Like that is the only way that we experience life. It's how we take in information. It's how we relay information. You know, you walk past someone and they give you a side glance and you're like, ooh, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Just with a look. Right. We take in through the senses, how we taste, how we, what we smell, what we hear, what we touch and feel, inner sensing, energetic sensing, like that's literally how we're living life. So to think that there is a system out there smarter and wiser than this system that we were all brought here with is outrageous to me. Absolutely. It's outrageous. That is the perfect place to transition. I feel like we could talk. I I just want to hear you talk for like three more (laughs) hours, quite frankly. (laughs) I'd be happy to, to be honest. We'll shift. We'll we'll do it again. Just me and Hobbs, so it's nice to talk to adults, you know? I know. And for anyone who's not watching this, you might have heard, I feel like you've heard nothing, but there is a beautiful little studio pup named Hobbs sitting on Melissa's lap right now. Yes, my little shadow. And I adore him. (laughs) He's so sweet and cuddly. But we close every All Sorts podcast with a few rapid fire questions. Okay. So I'm going to start with the best book you've read or listened to this year. Oh, I don't know if it was this year, but I would say the number one Okay, can I say two? Of course. Two books I recommend. One for every woman is Radical Awakening by Dr. Shefali. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the first name. The second book I recommend for everybody is All About Love by Bell Hooks. Mm -hmm. Life-changing. 
Amazing. We'll put both of those in the show notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something everyone thinks is wellness but really isn't. I would say I don't have one specific thing, but I would say anything that you think is wellness but that doesn't actually make you feel good mm-hmm. is not wellness. So whether it's a supplement, an activity, a workout, it's not wellness. If it's not if it's not making you feel better or improving your life in any way, it's not wellness. I love that. It might be someone else's wellness. It might but be it's not someone yours. else's. Yeah. There's no there's no hard fast definition, but yeah, I would say if it's not making you feel good or improving your life, it's not wellness. Your favorite too tired to cook meal. Oh my gosh, I am a smoothie queen. (laughs) I love throwing everything in a blender. And this is kind of embarrassing to say, but I don't even care if it tastes good. I just care (laughs) if it's nutritious and is like loaded with everything that I need to like refuel and energize. So I've had a lot of failed experiments that I've ultimately still (laughs) still drank. This is so embarrassing to say, but (laughs) yeah, I love I love smoothies. So when I don't cook, I'm usually like throwing everything in a blender and just drinking my meal. Amazing. Yeah, we've all had those sludgy smoothies that yeah. were just like, I'm not, I'm just going to do this. This is good for my body right now. I'm going to yeah, do it. <laughs> or like I put a lot of expensive ingredients in this one, so I'm not going to, you know, waste it. I can just choke it back because I know it'll still be good for my body. So. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> the next place on your travel list. Oh, my gosh. Everyone is, everyone on my team is like, Melissa, it's time for a vacation. <laughs> yeah. For me, anywhere hot, I know it's very cliche, very trendy, but like I've never been to Bali Mm. or Indonesia. Tahiti would be kind of on my travel bucket list. Mm. I'm definitely more of like a beach person. So anywhere, honestly, I'll take anywhere tropical. Amazing. Yeah. Sand, heat, water. Sand, heat. Yes. The essentials. The essentials. Love it. Okay. Last one. You have 20 extra minutes in a day. You are not allowed to be productive. Mm. What do you do with it? It would either be sleeping or meditating, but it would definitely evolve my bo- my physical body being still. We all need more. It's almost like a vitamin these yes. days, I think. Like yep. it was a vitamin S, like vitamin stillness. Like that's what we all need. A hundred percent. And just like relaxing the physical body sends such a communication to your nervous system around feeling safe and supported. We can't sleep in environments we don't feel safe in. Yeah. So if I'm asleep, I'm ultimately training my central nervous system to know what ease ultimately feels like. Literally every muscle in my body is relaxed right now. So it's definitely a worthy investment of those 20 minutes because Mm -hmm. I know outside of those 20 minutes, I'm going to feel safer. I'm going to feel more at ease. Melissa, it's such a pleasure to get to talk to you. I am so excited for all that you are creating in this world. And if you're in Vancouver, you must stop by the well it will be your new favorite space. I promise. Please do. Everyone's welcome. <laughs> and Hobbs will say hello. And Hobbs will definitely greet you. Yes. <laughs> and then probably follow you around until you pet him or play with him. It is a bonus. I'll be honest. This is one of those episodes that I know I will find myself coming back to again and again whenever I'm feeling anxious or uncertain. As a reminder that I already have the tools I need to care for myself, that it's okay to tune out what is modeled for me as success or well-being and reconnect to my own inner knowing. That is really the only compass that matters. Authenticity is a word that is thrown around to the point that it feels so performative and completely out of step with its original meaning. So I feel like it's such a gift to encounter someone like Melissa, whose presence really is the embodiment of authenticity. It is honest. It embraces self in all of its nuances and imperfections. 
And I hope that this conversation resonates with you the same way it did with me. If you feel so inclined, let me know what you thought over on our Instagram at the All Sorts Pod. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the All Sorts Podcast, which is produced by myself and edited by Brian McCalman. We are grateful to live and work on the unceded and ancestral territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, Stolo, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Until next week, friends, be well. Be well.